Good evening, everyone. You are now listening to the Midnight Watch, where our motto is standing on watch for you against bad movies. I am your host, Philip Pepp. Joined as always by my friend and co-host, Mr. Nick Allen. Hello. Chris couldn't be here, but we are joined by a special guest. You might remember his voice from our Wolverine review from last year, Mr. Aaron Clifford. Hello. And tonight's film is X-Men Days of Future Past. Mutants, we now find ourselves on the edge of extinction. You'll need to go into the past to end this war before it ever begins. Use your power. Bring the X-Men together. It's going to take the two of us, side by side at a time when we couldn't be further apart. This is the long-awaited seventh entry in the X-Men series, the third one directed by Brian Singer. And uh, in this film, X-Men are in the future. They're fighting against these mechanical creatures called the Sentinels. Things are going bad, so they send Wolverine back in time to try and stop this from happening, Terminator-style. Uh... And they try to unite the X-Men and save the day, and uh, yeah, cool stuff happens. Alrighty, and since you're our special guest, we'll start with Aaron. Your thoughts on X-Men, Days of Future Past. Well, I thought the movie was actually, it was a pretty good movie. Alright. Um, it was, uh, I hate to say this, but it was predictable in some sense. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think... Before this movie came out, uh, Nick and I had a conversation over the phone about it. And all I'm going to say is, is that some of the stuff that I said that was going to happen, that I thought was going to happen, it happened. <laughs> Not trying to say that I'm some kind of psychic or nothing, but, <laughs> but I'm just saying... <laughs> These movies become predictable over time. Yeah. Is there anything specific you want to talk about? Well. Since you liked it? I liked it too. Well, I know you did. (laughs) But I'm just just trying to give our guests some time. Well, I mean, like, for one, um, I like the, um, one of the things that I did like about the movie is, you know, I still think, you know, once again, you know, Hugh Jackman captured Wolverine and the way that he's been capturing him. Um, yeah. You know, not much has changed in that matter. Um, nope. He actually added a I noticed he added a little bit more humor. Yeah, that's a carryover from the Wolverine. Um, so I thought that was pretty awesome. Um, it was good to also see Michael Fassbender and James McAvery. Michael Boy. McAvoy, whatever his name is, um, return uh-huh. and uh, capture their characters, and I thought it was, you know, thought it was very, you know, it was a, it was a good, it was, it was a good. I thought it was a good movie as far as their dynamics, mm-hmm. and as far as how they capture um, these characters. 
However, I will say this. Um, if you are a individual who is like really into X-Men or really into the Days of Future Past comic book, um, a, a lot there's a lot of stuff that in the comic book that is that I mean this movie does not does not really follow the comic book at all like nope. no don't so I will say that for, you know if you thinking that you're gonna see that you know I don't know why somebody would at this point based on yeah. this Fox because I was gonna lead into my point that I made earlier uh, when we saw the movie is that it's frustrating for anybody. I like this movie, but that's only because I chose to let go of my frustration I had from the fact that this movie retcons a lot of stuff, even though it's supposed mm-hmm. to be a sequel to X-Men The Last Stand. I mean, I guess it should and be a surprise. Class. Yeah, to an extent. the Wolverine kind of... Yeah, even though that doesn't make sense because the whole apocalyptic setting wasn't going on in the nope. Wolverine, so... <laughs> Suddenly you come back to America and, hey, the apocalypse has happened now. So, hey, <laughs> welcome. Help us out. But the whole retcon and everything kind of bothered me. And then they constantly do different things with continuity that I just can't get over. Well, I guess I can get over it because I like the movie enough. But it's still frustrating. It's no less frustrating. If you've seen all the X-Men films mm-hmm. before, some of these things will frustrate you like it did me, mm-hmm. I think. And, uh, yeah, I guess going off Aaron's point, yeah, I, I like this movie. It's it's solid. It's about what you expect from Fox. They never hit a home run, but this is like a double or like a triple to use a baseball analogy. Like, it, it's not quite, like, blowing you away, but it's like, all right, this is way more than adequate. And uh, to go off uh, Aaron's point without guns in detail, I think part of why this feels predict- so predictable is because... The emotional anchors of this film are basically characters who we've already seen their arcs play out, uh, which is Wolverine and Professor Xavier Magneto. We've seen basically what they want to do with those characters, and it's not bad. It's still good. Like you said, Fassbender is still good. James McAvoy is still a good actor. Fassbender might be good, but I completely hate his well, character. Well, yeah, we, which we can get to in a second. You do hate his character. And Hugh Jackman is Hugh Jackman. And, yeah, there's no art. They're cut. Those characters are those characters, and it's really nothing you can do with them. And we don't get too many new people, so it's just like... And to go off of that, I will say, me and Aaron, I guess, came to terms on this. You know, we were thinking it at the same time. Uh, the new, one of the new characters they introduced, Quicksilver. Before mm-hmm. the movie came out, I gave the movie a lot of shit thinking, mm-hmm. okay, you just kind of threw this character in here as a middle finger to Joss Whedon because he's using the character in Age of Ultron. And I just feel like you're putting him in here just for the sake of putting him in here and you're not going to do anything with him. Now, while his role in the film still kind of falls into that category where it's like, yeah, he had a little bit of an effect, but as part of the larger story arc, they could have given him more to do. I was really blown away with this performance. It reminds me of how much I was impressed with uh, Alan Cunningham's portrayal of Nightcrawler in X2. And it literally steals the show. It's Mm -hmm. one of the best. His parts are some of the best parts of the movie. And even Evan Peters himself captured the character very well. With the limited knowledge I have about the character, 
I felt like he nailed it pretty well, and he pretty much set the bar for the character now, so when Aaron Taylor Johnson does it, he has actually, now he has a lot of work to do. So basically, in other words, we're saying is that, what me and Nick are saying is that this version of Quicksilver has set the bar, and and this means this means that the directors of Avengers two are gonna have to are they're definitely gonna have to go all out when they create their version of Quicksilver because like Nick said this character stole the show yeah he was the, probably the most exciting character in the entire film. It wasn't probably. Um, he, he was. He had the he best was, action sequence. He had the best sequence in the well, in the movie. Well, you go ahead. And it just, it was just, it was awesome. I mean. Well, and I will say, even though he, I thought he was the best in the new edition, some of the other editions I also liked too. Like, Blink was probably yeah. my second favorite. The way in which they used her character. The yeah. only person... I also kind of like the way they use Bishop, even though I hear from you guys that read the comic books, it's not really how Bishop is, and they portrayed him differently in the movie. Well, well, no, what I mean is he really didn't have a personality. Granted, it wasn't a situation where he could really show it. Yeah, they didn't have enough time to flesh out His powers are slightly different, but I didn't mind it. I actually liked what they did. It was like, okay. Yeah, and the whole, what this movie did well was that a lot of the X-Men films before this focused on, when it came to the action sequences, what each individual person would do in the action sequence. This was the first movie to really yeah, showcase their, their abilities to work as a team mm-hmm. to take down their enemies, and it's actually a pretty cool scene. Mm-hmm. All the scenes that happen in the future timeline involving these characters are absolutely amazing. Yeah, and I got some stuff from certain characters that I've been wanting to see that I guess they were finally like, alright, uh, we don't think it's done anymore, we're gonna give you what you want. Which, by the way, too, to go off of that on the flip side, the negative side, uh, certain characters that appeared in previous installments that they, in particular, X-Men First Class, they do come up with reasons for why characters like Azazel aren't in the movie, yeah, and, and Emma Frost, and Banshee, and Angel, <laughs> and it's, not only is it weak, but it actually infuriated me, because yeah. it's like, well, then it defeats the purpose of them being in the previous movie it, it to really me, does. and the way in which they wrote off Azazel doesn't even make any sense when you consider the character's abilities. Mm, yeah. Well, it kind of makes you want wonder how did they... How would you get rid of them characters? Well, maybe you shouldn't introduce them to begin with. They could have them in the movie. Well, it still would have answered... It still would have been a question. It would have been infuriating either way. The character should have been in the but movie. but I'm just saying... You could have just, like, Nightcrawler and X3 just not had him in the movie. Even though they tried to claim, just like the Amazing Spider-Man 2 did the same thing, stuff they didn't do in the movie, they tried to cover for in the video game, hoping that you would play the video game Mm -hmm. and get this. Because apparently in the X3 video game adaptation, there was an excuse for why Nightcrawler was there. But in actual Mm -hmm. the filmmaker said, well, we didn't have a big enough role for him. And then the amount of time it would take to put the prosthetics on just wasn't worth the amount of screen time he was going to get. So, no. But I think it's more of a matter they didn't want to pay him. And to go off your earlier point, I guess why they didn't use Quicksilver more, it didn't have to be like this, but I guess some people might argue based on his earlier scene that character could easily become a deus ex machina, like, oh, I can just do whatever and 
He truly the problems could. of the plot. He for really like two could. Seconds, and that's why they didn't take right, him. Why they got rid of him? Because, yeah, literally the big climax of this movie would be over in like two seconds if Quicksilver was Exactly. <laughs> and they're like, well, we can't have that. <laughs> right. So that's why. He's, he's not getting gone. top billing. Because, yeah, this, have people this would be billing. too easy. Right. <laughs> and another thing I found actually surprising. Which is kind of the problem with the way the climax of this film sets so. up. Well, and the climax of this film is just it's an unusual climax for a yeah. film like this because of the fact that it's more emotionally driven than it is action yeah. driven or at least the action is uninteresting to yeah me. cause basically the whole thing is supposed to be a battle for one character so that I won't spoil but it yeah which I guess when you talk about Jennifer Lawrence a little bit she well, wasn't bad but was I the only person who felt like she was kind of like mm. Well, hold on. Here's my thing. I'll also take back my previous comments that I said about Jennifer Lawrence after the Amazing Spider-Man 2. Because they showed the post-credit scene. I shouldn't say the post-credit scene because yeah. it wasn't related to Amazing Spider-Man 2. It was some BS word. It was the scene that happens early in this film yeah. involving Mystique. Yeah. And basically it only existed in the Amazing Spider-Man 2 because of some contractual deal yeah. between Mark Webb and 20th Century Fox. But, uh... Yeah, it was a scene involving Mystique, and I felt like Jennifer Lawrence was trying too hard to be, you know, this tough girl. And it's mm-hmm. hard to believe after you've seen movies like The Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. I know in The Hunger Games, she's supposed to be a strong yeah, female character, strong. but she was actually a strong female character in that movie. But oh, yeah. The Hunger Games movies, <laughs> I'm sorry, she is not a strong female character to me. And well, mostly, but yeah, she doesn't do that much. In yeah. terms of being proactive. Like she's That's not what I mean. She's not or Ripley or Well, even <laughs> she seems real to me. Or even but like the Black strong Widow. female like character, like <laughs> she's just not that character. Uh, I'll just put it that way. She's just not that character. And here I was I actually enjoyed Jennifer Lawrence's scenes and I actually thought she did a lot better than I thought she was going to do with this movie. Well, yeah, the action. What I meant is performance-wise. Even performance-wise, I didn't think okay. she did that. I wasn't really getting it. <laughs> but here comes that moment that I told you was going to happen, Phil. Because you liked The Amazing Spider-Man too, <laughs> And uh, you liked a lot of the stuff with Jamie Foxx, which was absolutely horrible. So, um... Gotta say, we're just gonna have to agree to disagree on that. Uh, uh, but uh, you did like the Amazing Spider-Man too, so keep that in mind, fine. listeners. Fine, <laughs> whatever. Because I told you that was gonna happen, and this is the movie to do that. All right. But I didn't think our scenes were that bad. As a matter of fact, there's a lot. There's quite a few dramatic scenes in this movie that I really, really liked. Right. Like scenes that I thought, well, that could be good, but I didn't think it was gonna like really grip me the way it did. And that's one of them is a scene in which uh, James McAvoy, you see a little bit of it in the trailer, mm-hmm. but where he's talking to his older self. I actually enjoy that scene. Oh, yeah, that, that was, was like, good. That was actually a really good dramatic scene. And I yeah. get it. And another Lord one. scene he has with Wolverine right before that. Yeah. And then I also did like a scene that happens between, uh, it's a small interaction between Ian McKaylin and... Uh, Patrick Stewart, mm-hmm. which you also see a bit of in the trailer, where like we spend so much time fighting each other, Charles. You know, mm-hmm. that was a really good scene. Yeah. Almost brought me to tears. I'm not gonna lie. Well, yeah, that whole scene period, the whole climactic battle in the yeah. future. 
tourist thing was yeah. like really emotionally gripping. Which, speaking of a that, lot more so than the past climax, which was maybe because more stuff happened. But well, here I think part of the than, reason, but not solely the reason why. Part of the reason is because the past. I guess it has stakes. But since it's past tense, it doesn't feel like it's as important as what's happening in the future. At least to me, it didn't. Because the future is like, well, damn, you know, this is it. This is... Well, and I think you yeah. also, like I said before, you don't, in the past, you really don't have those emotional anchors other than Charles, because Wolverine yeah. and Magneto are basically who they always are. Well, you don't to really an extent, care. Michael Fassbender, <laughs> okay, my problem with Michael Fassbender with this movie that I alluded to earlier was that Michael Fassbender, in his first couple scenes in the movie, well, more than his first couple, mm-hmm. For the first, like, 20 minutes or so that he actually has screen time, it actually seems like his character might have an arc. Mm-hmm. But then, toward the end of the movie, out of the blue, they decide, oh, he's just going to do the same problem that I had in first class, where they decided that in the last 10 minutes, Magneto's just going to become a mustache-twirling villain yeah. with really kind of vague motivations it's kind of like, how did you come to those conclusions? Kind of like the same problems I have with the Amazing Spider-Man villains, where they yeah. just become bad guys just because the script says so. Well, I think part of that is they're trying to converge the comic Magneto with the version they set up with the movies. But you can't do those, that. Right, you just those can't do two that. versions are not the same character. Right, you like, should have started off that way. Magneto is great, but he's not the comic Magneto. Right. Who is at times that mustache twirling villain? Right, and I know they tried to. Their defense would probably be, well, the way we portrayed Michael Fassbender in First Class was kind of like that. But it's like, but that was a problem with yeah. First Class. Because I would say, yeah, they're the version Magneto stuff in the comics is more like the later comics Magneto. Where at worst, he's a mutant separatist. He thinks mutants should have their own thing and kind of like. The Black Panthers, we should mobilize shit we need to to protect ourselves. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I'm not trying to mess with nobody that's trying to mess with me. But like you said, to force action, these movies always turn to, oh, no, I'm going to just kill humans. Right. Because I like it. Which, on top of that, (laughs) makes it even weirder when you consider that he's a survivor of the Holocaust. It's like, Really? You would think he would be kind of, he would have at least some moral compass about that, but I know he dislikes humans, but to just commit genocide is kind of like, no. It doesn't work. For well, him. I guess they could kind of argue, well, no, nah, because the closest thing to that was in X2 when he tried to get Professor Xavier to, to kill all the humans yeah. with Cerebro. Which, uh, another thing to say, the way they portrayed Cerebro, like, in this movie... I found it kind of interesting. You get a take on Cerebro, what it's like if Charles doesn't fully embrace his power. Yeah. And it's like, wow, that would be kind of screwed up to have to uh, go through that. You understand uh, his struggle as if he didn't have yeah, control of his and power. And that's another thing, uh, although I guess some people might say it's a little cheesy because it is a little Jesus-y, but I like that they acknowledge that a good part of Professor Xavier's, like, uh, character is not that just that he reads people's minds, but he like he feels their emotion. He's like yeah. the ultimate empath. He's like the ultimate like I relate to everybody. 
I try to understand people. And uh, yeah, that's why I'm so great. And they really like nailed that. It shows him more human. Yeah. And uh, it shows him a more human stand. Yeah. More human standpoint. Mm -hmm. Right. I know what you're trying to say. And I'm saying human as in we as normal people. We have our confusions, our imperfections, our imperfections, yeah. our flaws, mm-hmm. and exactly. it shows him that way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because like, up until this yeah, point, he's just been the stoic leader. Yeah, and you the know, f- it, original series is Patrick Stewart. It shows that even leaders can have problems, and right? Have mm-hmm. you, even, and I'll just describe the way he looked when I when you first see him. Kind of looks like he's. He looks like a homeless person. A homeless person. Yeah. Hobo with the shotgun. He looks like a hobo. Yeah, I didn't want to say what I was originally going to say, but I'm going to go ahead and go with homeless person. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to. That wasn't what I originally going to say. What were you about to say? Crackhead? I was going to say heroin addict. Well, Well, this movie. Yeah, this movie does have drug addiction symptoms. Which, uh, yeah, I and, guess... And uh, the reason why I well, say it is talk, because... I'll in a second. It, the, because the year, I mean... It's, it's in the 70s. Yeah. This is during the time when, like, drugs was just, like, skyrocketing. And, you know, and then Vietnam yeah. was going on. And people were experimenting with heroin and stuff over there. So heroin was definitely in the, in, in the city. And, like... And just when you see him, he just kind of looks like he's strung the hell out. I mean, yeah, he definitely it's does. like, yeah. hey, so man, like, you're killing my vibe. And like, so like, when I first saw him, I'm like, oh, man, don't tell me this dude's on drugs. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, he, well, I, I don't have my powers anymore. I think he ever had a tie-dye shirt on. Yeah, like he, like, like he was just kind of like, man, like, like, yeah, like, and like, and they said this in one of the clips that was on TV about him saying, I don't have my powers anymore. Because they use my legs. Um, yeah, they do explain that, people, without spoiling it. That is one of the few yeah. things this movie yeah. actually bothers to explain in a way that makes sense. But, <laughs> but, but he looked like he was on smack. Like he, like, <laughs> like, and so, like, <laughs> but no, that isn't it. I mean, but he, but like I said, overall, he portrayed somebody who had problems just like everyone else. I mean, which is cool because it it can makes a better connection for the audience. Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. And to go off of what you were saying earlier, what I was going to say, those people that might complain that it's a little Jesus-y, mm-hmm. it, it's subtle compared to anything in Man of Steel, so that's not a bad thing at all. <laughs> I'm just saying, look the way Patrick Stewart yeah. <laughs> says it, it's like, you can bear that pain. You're the one who can take it. it it's, it's a little, it's a little, especially when they get the whole, like every movie does, the whole little, oh, operatic music. It, uh, wasn't the setting like a church? It's like, a, it's a bit much, but it's a good scene. It's yeah. just, if you like us and you think a little too much about movies, it's kind of like, yeah, that. That was borderline almost too much movie, but you you got that right balance. Right? I, I still say it's not as much 
Jesus symbolism on that man still, so I'm all right with it. There's no shots of Patrick Stewart with a portrait of Jesus behind him, or any shots of Xavier with his arms stretched out. So we're doing good. Uh, like and yeah, to go off your point about Michael Fassbender, yeah, I'll say this. Even through all the stuff that happened in the original X-Men movies, or even First Class, I felt like Charles and Magneto are, were friends. Based on this, I don't know how they're still friends. If I was yeah. Charles, I basically at this point would be like, Do what he did the first time, punch right. him in the face. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't even want to see you. Yeah, which makes what happens like, oh, oh okay. <laughs> That doesn't really make sense, but whatever. There's a lot of things that don't make sense. <laughs> but just go with it. Okay, something I'll point on because of uh, just another positive. Uh, I like the way they did Beast this time. Yeah. Like, the character, I can kind of see they use the younger Beast. Mm -hmm. And I can see, okay, I can kind of see where he would grow into the Kelsey Grammer Beast type. And I also like what they did with his power this time mm -hmm. and the way which in which the makeup was, which was, the which was a hundred times better than the way he yeah. looked at first class, yes, which was absolutely was. awful. Yeah, it, it was a lot better. Yeah, because it was clearly, it looked actually practical this time. Even if it was practical in first class, it still looked like CG yeah, which it was is, so bad. Uh, yeah, and it was a nice little nod to the comics again, yes. if you're a fan like me of Beast from the comics, which I mm -hmm. am. He's like one of my favorite X-Men. In this movie, you can see that he's been through some stuff. Well, you're seeing that he's taking more of the initiative now, and yeah. he's not so... He's not, you know... He's withdrawn and you know, and passive. And, and, and if you remember in X-Men First Class, I mean, he was kind of like a dork, and he was more standoffish, and it seemed like he, in a lot of ways rejected his abilities. I mean... Yeah, which is... Which is what was his whole arc in the comics? And but and then and let alone he rejected the whole fact that he was blue later on. In this movie, he has embraced it a little bit more mm -hmm. than he mm -hmm. has in the first one. Yeah, it was so. And he was a little, like I said, he was more. You know, he's he, and this movie really shows the friendship too between him and Xavier too. Yeah, like, I mean like that they are like. Boys, literally, they are. Yeah, they tight, you know. I mean, <laughs> and so I mean, it really shows. It, 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 I was about to make a joke. <laughs> no, make the joke, man. I was about to say, yeah, you know, they, like uh, well, I forget the character's name, Harpo, and uh, what you call him, Color Purple. I was about to say, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, they probably wouldn't show. I wouldn't be surprised if they had, like, a baby. <laughs> a bathing scene. Which, actually. What, right. What I meant when Xavier Storm go, where he, like, yeah, you, you're my boy. I love you, man. Meant, right? I love you, man. <laughs> no, listen to me. I love you. <laughs> Which, okay. Speaking of that, uh,. Actually, no, I'm not going to bring that up. I'm going to leave that alone. Okay, why not? Well, I was just going to say, uh, for all the women out there, there's some Hugh Jackman fan service yeah. in this movie. That was completely unnecessary, yeah. but it was there you for get, the women. Yeah, you, you get just about everything except for uh, Full Frontal, but you yeah. get everything else. Yeah. <laughs> you don't get Tallywhacker, but you get everything else. So, yeah, there, there you go, ladies. Since we're on the topic of Tallywhackers. 
Oh, since we're on the topic of Wolverine, I mean, if we can, let's talk about his character and how he presented himself in that movie. Well, basically, well, yeah, it'll be a short discussion in the sense of, in yeah, the sense yeah. that he, like, really didn't do much in this nope. movie. I mean, he, he, his character served a purpose. I mean, and then also he had to be a character that was, he had to, his character was basically portrayed like. He was more of a mediator, you know, not like not a mediator, but a yeah, that's, right. that's a good well, time. Yeah, he was like a mediator. He was kind of like a, I mean, he really had to play a character where he was less of the one being guided. It really showed him being not so much a person who needed guidance, but well, a person true. who was guiding. Yeah, yeah. they, they said know, that up in previous man. and he's. You but know, they never implemented it into this movie. For the first yeah, yeah. time, you see Wolverine as a voice of reason, and not, very true, and not, you know, someone who doesn't understand. And if you look at his character, his character has been alive for a very long time. Mm-hmm. So you know, you you would expect him to be the voice of reason at this point. You know, hopefully, 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 you, know, <laughs> hopefully you learn something. He had to, but he had to play that role. You know, he had to play that role in this movie because he was dealing with younger people at one point in the movie. Which is what they also tried to do in three. That was one of the few things Last Stand did well. There's a lot of things. Okay, <laughs> there's a lot of things that Last Stand actually didn't do that badly. And everybody treats the yeah, last like as Beast. If, yeah, exactly. Beast. Wolverine's whole arc where he finally matured and has Storm to be actually leader. has something yeah, to do. Storm has something the relationship to do. between Bobby and Kitty was actually more yeah. believable than the relationship between Bobby Which and Rose. Which is Rogue. funny considering what we now know about Ellen Page. That just shows how good of an actress she is. Right. <laughs> and... <laughs> Yeah, I just don't get it. A lot of people treat X and Colossus had a lot more to do than he had to do in even this movie. Yeah, I'll talk about that in a second. (laughs) I'm I'm just gonna make the point that a lot of people, I don't think they've watched the X Men films in a long time. Oh no, these same people think X Two is on par with like Iron Man and Avengers. It's not because I I watched it recently. (laughs) It doesn't really hold up that well. The Nightcrawler scene is still (laughs) awesome. But the rest of the movie is not bad, but it's nowhere as good as what people make it out to be. Nope. And the last set actually isn't that bad. And for some people to actually be out there and consider that the worst of the series, clearly they stopped watching after the last stand because there's been X-Men or just Wolverine since yeah. then. And even the Wolverine was inferior to the last stand as far as I'm concerned. In terms of action, yeah. But you Overall, know why people shit on it? Because Brian Singer is the god of X-Men films and... Brett Ratner is Brett Ratner. Yeah, which I still don't understand <laughs> what all the hate for Brett Ratner is. Because like, he's what? an asshole and... There's a lot of assholes. The Rushar movies are racist. I like them, but they are. They are racist. Well, we can say this is cut for another time, but... Anyway. <laughs> yes, they have racial problems, but... Still, there's a lot of directors that have done worse and don't... Oh, no! You can argue Brian Singer if you read up on his exactly. whole situation. 
Oh, where's God and Brett Ratner? Right, but, but we're just picking out Brett Ratner just like people pick on Michael Bay all the time. Or Zack Snyder now. Or Zack Well, yeah, when actually it should be talking about David S. Gordon, but that's the special we'll right. get to later. But uh, not on this, but on With our, his comments. Yeah, on another discussion. But anyway, yeah, Colossus, he's one of my favorite X-Men, and I was he's really dis- And I was really disappointed with the way he was treated in this yeah. film. He is given... Actually, if we're I'm not really mistaken, all these movies except for the last thing. X two, he actually did something. Well, yeah, kind of. But hell, in this movie, I don't even think Colossus had a line of dialogue. If I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. if he did, it was like maybe a sentence. Mm-hmm. I don't think he said a single thing no. in this movie. He had more of a line of dialogue in the Burger King commercial. <laughs> than he had yeah, I don't think Blinks talked that much either. Oh, it was yeah. mostly Warpath, Kitty, Iceman, and Sunspot. Ooh, kind of like, said a few words. Oh, yeah, yeah Bishop, Bishop said a, yeah, a few lines and Storm, of course. Yeah, even though I didn't care about Storm. I didn't either. No disrespect to Halle Berry, but yeah. I, I Time is coming and gone at this point. I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> I'm ready we for could, a new Storm. Yeah, we could get Angela Bassett. We could get Naomi Harris. There's plenty of people you can get to play Storm. That'd be much better at this point. But another thing I was saying that I thought was pretty interesting for all the advertisement it got, the Sentinels are barely in this movie. Yeah. Like, only the ones in the future timeline are seen a lot. But mm-hmm. the Sentinels that they advertise in a lot of the TV spots from the uh, past uh, storyline. Mm-hmm. only have Yeah, the Dyson vacuum cleaners. <laughs> they only have that scene that you see. You don't yep. see them. Well, you see them one scene before that, but that's it. They don't do anything. You just see, oh, hey, there's a Sentinel. Well, like I said, that was the problem with them not really having a team other than in the future. Yeah, the future is the only one that had the team dynamic. <laughs> I mean, they could have had Quicksilver, but like we said, they, they're just... Like, I guess another games. positive, I don't really care about gritty realism, but if you're one of those people that just love gritty realism, yeah, like this is probably the grittiest and most violent X-Men film they made. There, there is like, no probably. It is. Okay, like, yeah. We're not counting the deaths, Especially in the future, like, jeez, like, all you guys are missing our blood, and this is, like, easily our, because, yeah. oh my god, like, it's just brutal. Not to mention, I'm pretty <laughs> sure, I don't consider this a spoiler, uh, you see a scene in the trailer of Wolverine yeah. attacking some guys I'm in an apartment. I'm pretty sure those guys are dead. Yeah, I am pretty sure they're <laughs> dead. Wolverine they're is not wanted dead. for murder right now. Yeah. Or he, Jimmy. He, he just murdered... <laughs> no, we're not in the house that. He just murdered four people in cold blood. And yes, I call that murder because he, he enjoyed doing every single bit of that. And if they try to convince you those well, guys are alive... Well, he is the best in what he does. Yeah. Which I'll give him that. People. I'll give him that. They did carry over the Wolverine I like. The Wolverine from the movie, The Wolverine. So his foul yeah, ball still continues. Where, yeah, he cracks yeah. jokes and curses and smokes yeah. a cigar all the time. Like my favorite of which man. So you're going to pick that shit up? That, yeah, that's the best one. That. <laughs> and they even dropped the F-bomb still in this movie, but it's not by hell. Yeah. Even though my favorite F-bomb in any of the X-Men movies was in first class. Well, because that's like one of the few. Well, because yeah. Yeah, that was such a surprise. Like, oh, that's like one of the best. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> right, you didn't even look at it. Yeah, just kept smoking syrup. Fuck off. 
I guess without spoiling it, the post credit stinger is intriguing, I guess. I'm really not as... <laughs> oh my god, as most people were. Because most people that I'm reading on well, Facebook yeah, and some of our once friends... once you get the big reveal, it's like, that's well, okay. it? <laughs> well, and then too, it would only surprise somebody who has no knowledge of the well, X-Men yeah. films to come. If you know what X-Men film is supposed to follow, that shouldn't be that much of a surprise. It's like, oh, that's cool. But it shouldn't be like, oh my god, is that what I think it is? But like I said, this goes to what we said about Wolverine, where everybody seems to grade these movies on a curve. Like, people are legitimately saying this is the best superhero movie ever. It blows Marvel out the water. I'm like... It doesn't blow Marvel off. What movie did you people see? It's a good movie. And I rank it among the best superhero films I've seen, but it is not the best. No. And actually, this would probably be my... (laughs) I would actually put this as my favorite in the X-Men series. Okay. Um, Above First Class, because that, first of all... We've already talked about the team dynamic didn't work that well in first class. It didn't, but... And that last ten minutes bothered the hell out of me how rushed everything was. And the action wasn't that... There was a few good action sequences at the beginning, but overall, like, the action wasn't that great in that movie. And neither were the effects, but it was being done on a smaller budget. But with all that being taken into consideration, this, to me, was still a better film. Also, I I thought first class was better because of the Xavier. But like I said, there's still those dramatic elements here. It's just that they chose, really, Xavier and Magneto reached the peak of their arcs in first class. And they shouldn't have, but the writers were in such a hurry. Maybe they were scared they weren't going to get a sequel. They were. So... Because first class saved that franchise. Yeah. So maybe they decided, yeah, we should rush everything just so it's in somewhat continuity with the original series, even though it still doesn't make sense. But just so we can get it in continuity. Yeah, we're going to have Magneto cripple Xavier and them hate each other all of a sudden. Yeah. In the last 10 minutes. But yeah, that that saved their franchise. I don't care how popular Hugh Jackman is. That's what saved their X-Men franchise. Yeah. I mean, they could have still made solo Wolverine movies, but... As far as ensemble X-Men films, that was the one that kind of convinced people, well, maybe it's not over yet. Yep. Also, just a heads up, um, for those who have not seen this movie, um, stay away from Wikipedia. (laughs) Well, that should be a no-brainer. That's obvious with any movie. Yeah, Wikipedia spoils the synopsis. Right. right. Two weeks before the movie. That's where you go if you want the movie to be spoiled. (laughs) Yeah. Or, yeah, there are plenty of sites that leak scripts. Like, right. Even if YouTube. If you want the movie spoiled, you can have it spoiled. Right. Even if you, like, for instance, when Amazing Spider-Man 2 came out, because it came out yeah. two weeks early in the UK, if you went on and watched any of the trailers on YouTube, the entire comment section was full of spoilers from people in the UK who saw it. Yeah. So, it's not that hard to have the movie spoiled. Yeah. Basically, if you don't want to spoil, stay away from the media outlets and yeah. just go see the movie. Like, there's I a bunch of pictures and info that if you say want Asia Ultron spoiled, you can have right. it spoiled. Exactly. I only, say this, I only say this is because Facebook people are all like, oh, look, it's on Wikipedia. Look, it's on Wikipedia. Read about it. I'm all like, if y'all don't know that, know this already, just know that this is a that's a setup for spoiling the movie for you. So stay away from it. If you're that dumb to actually go to Wikipedia because they told you to, then it's your own fault. Yeah, and like Nick says, just stay away from the media. 
media. When it says X Men Days of Future Past, and you haven't seen it yet, just yeah, just go see it. Go the other way. Yeah, and we're guys who care a lot about movies. Also, we have movie reviews. So, but yeah, I have not checked out any of this new info on Age of Ultron because I want to be surprised. Like I was with the Avengers. I don't want just like Godzilla, for instance. After they released like the third trailer, I stopped at the second trailer. I didn't I want did to see too, any more right. trailers because why? Half the movie's gonna get spoiled, right. so even though those trailers turned out to be a lie. Trailer. I'm yeah. done after that. I don't yeah, know it was an awesome trailer. Trailers. I'm gonna just right. wait until the movie comes out right. for the rest of my fix. That's how it's gonna go. Mm-hmm. So uh, I guess we can go that right. I think we pretty much hit everything yeah. on the head. So I guess we'll start with Aaron. You ready? I I give it a mad name. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, I'll go at a low full price. Alrighty. I enjoyed the movie quite a bit. The 3D actually wasn't bad. Yeah, it's decent. Yeah, it's decent. It's not like, you know, I know a lot of people get pissed when you make this comparison, but it's not Avatar 3D. I'm sorry, but Avatar had fantastic 3D. As did Pacific Pacific Room. And Dread. And actually, Paul W.S. Anderson's Resident Evil films had good 3D, but people won't acknowledge that because they hate it. Great Gatsby. Yeah, the Great Gatsby. But. You know, it's not like something that'll blow you away, yeah. but if you did pay for it in 3D, it's not a waste of money at I all. I definitely would say we didn't see it in IMAX, but I'd probably say you It's know. a shame that this movie wasn't in IMAX, honestly. I would have liked to have seen it in IMAX yeah. if they had put it there, but they didn't. But uh, I think the performances are great. There's some really, really good action sequences, and overall, I enjoyed it. The positives outweigh the negatives for me. Uh, yeah, I give this a matinee, and I'd definitely say since most people didn't like Amazing Spider-Man 2, so if you were kind of depressed after Amazing Spider-Man, I kind of... It's okay. You can come out now. Yeah, this movie will definitely probably bring up your enthusiasm a lot more, which is maybe also why people are kind of overrating this movie a little bit too after Amazing Spider-Man 2. They're kind of like... Finally, another good superhero. I don't even think it's just Amazing Spider-Man 2. I think it's just this summer movie season in general. Like, so far in the four weeks we've had in the summer movie season, there's only been, including this movie, two good movies to come Uh, out of that. Neighbors and what, this this. movie? Yeah. Godzilla wasn't good. Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yeah, in our opinion, it it wasn't. I know everybody else disagrees, but that's what... That's what, yeah. Well, yeah, I get it's a mad night. Like I said, it's decent. It doesn't blow you away. But like I said, to use a sports analogy, it's like a double or a triple. It's it's more than adequate. Like, it's, I'm still kind of waiting for them to raise the bar. Well, maybe and, they could raise the bar if they stop spending so much time retconning everything yeah. they establish. Yeah, they kind of need to take a cue from Marvel and be like, you don't have to do share continuity, but one thing, that share continuity helps. Marvel do is trim the fat. They know, like, what stuff to cut out. Right. And I'm hoping that with this movie, now they're, they've settled yeah. into some kind of continuity. And they know what, what stuff to build on. Like, I'm pretty sure they didn't initially plan for Pepper and Tony to get together in the Iron Man movies, but since Gwyneth Paltrow did such a good job and her and Robert Downey Jr. had great chemistry, they're like, yeah, let's you know that it's not what happened in the comics. Let's have them get together. Yeah, I liked it in the movies. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely, hopefully, now that they've rebooted the universe, essentially, yeah, and they're free, like Nick said, from this constraints of continuity, hopefully this next movie, they'll finally 
really hit it out of the park and give me the X-Men film I really, really want as an X-Men fan, but if they don't, I mean, yeah. these are decent. Well, I haven't regretted seeing any of these movies other than Origins. Yeah, Origins. I was about to say, are you sure? <laughs> and even that had some redeemable parts. Very few. Uh, Basically, my boy Liv Shriver and Sabre too. It's a shame that he got stuck in Ryan that Ryan Reynolds. Right, because he was great. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds was great, but that was only five minutes. That's not enough. Yeah. And, uh... <laughs> That's basically it. And the Wolverine Saber too. Well, you know what? I'm actually going to go out on a limb here and cut Taylor Kish some slack. And say, Gambit wasn't completely awful. He just made no sense for being in that movie. And actually... And I guess that's something to look forward to. Uh, Yeah, my boy... uh, Channing Tatum. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to just put throw this out there. Don't don't have them do the Cage accent. It's just going to turn bad. I don't think they're going to Just have them talk normal. Because even in that movie... The eagle that Channing Tatum was in, he still talked like Channing Tatum, so I don't think he's going to But yeah, this, this is a solid movie. It, it's worth checking out. And once again, that concludes our review. We are the Midnight Watch, where our motto is, standing on watch for you against bad movies. You can find our show by searching the Stitcher Radio app or the new Podomatic app for the Midnight Watch, or on iTunes by doing the same. And please, if you would, give us some ratings on uh Stitcher iTunes have spread the word about the show and we'll be happy to read those at some point and um, you can also find us at our main site pdpile.pymac.com that is p-d-p-o-w-e-l-l.pymac.com and thanks for listening good night everybody